Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to our weekly edition of 52 Players. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, the Deputy Controller of Local Government and School Accountability, Gabe Deo. He works uh, very closely with State Controller Tom DiNapoli. And uh, what he does, what Gabe does, is uh, is of interest to uh, to anyone who is uh, uh, who is uh, watching the school districts closely. And obviously, over the last several years, you have seen all kinds of discrepancies. And these guys have been on top of it. Gabe Deo, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me today, Frank. Well, listen, thrilled to have you. And uh, you're uh, you know you're responsible uh, for for a lot of what people are caring about, and certainly over. Over the years, uh, you guys have been pretty busy. That's right. Controller DiNapoli has us on the front lines really all over the state. We have about 300 staff. Uh, our main office is in Albany, but we have seven regional offices, including Hop Hog on Long Island. We've got about 200 auditors and 100 accountants and researchers and trainers and other staff that help to support us. All right. Um, if it's helpful, I'll just quickly kind of run through some of the different things that we do to Please, give you guys yeah. a flavor yeah, please. All right. So so one of the interesting things is that by state law, every local government and school is required to submit their annual financial data to us. So at the very heart of it, we're accountants. OK. okay. Um, and also uh, another key responsibility is to conduct the audits. So we go around, you know, throughout the year, we have an audit plan. We can conduct usually between 400, 450, sometimes a little more audits all across the state. And essentially what we're looking at in an audit is to see you know, what is actually going on, depending on the topic that we're looking at, we usually conduct a risk assessment. And then what we do is we compare what, what we're seeing to what we should be seeing. And then we kind of evaluate that and make some recommendations. Additionally, what we do is we, we train, believe it or not, local government officials all across the state. Last year, in 2017, as an example, through our training efforts and working with other local government associations, um, we trained about 8,400 local government officials. Um, and then finally, the big thing that we do is we also put out research reports. Right? What we do is we try to identify you know, uh, new topics. Topic, there, there's a handful of topics that we put reports out every year on. For example, sales tax, we put a couple out on. We do IDA reports every year. But what we're also trying to do are find out you know, topics that are new and important are on the horizon and what we do uh, Controller Genapolis asked us to kind of work to to fill in, to inform, you know, taxpayers and residents about what's going on. Let me let me ask you about something that you just referenced. Uh, you said that you train local public officials, and and you know that means people that are elected uh, politically. Uh, how? And I'm not asking you to be specific, uh, you know, about specific individuals, but how responsive are the local public officials uh, as far as being trained? Um, are they, you know, on a whole, all eager to do it because they don't want to annoy you guys and they don't want to, uh, th- they don't want to do anything to put themselves on the radar screen? Is it half and half, or is it, uh, uh, is is, uh, do they look at it kind of with trepidation and uh, they're concerned about uh, what you're going to, <laughs> what you're going to teach them or what's going to be uncovered once you teach them the uh, the, the law? Uh, what 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 category would you put it in? 
I would say that most of the local government officials are really open to the training. And one of the ways that we do it, and I think that's also helpful for them to kind of break down some barriers, is we do it through the local government associations, such as the New York State Association of Counties or the New York Conference State Conference of Mayors or the Association of Towns. So we work with them very closely. And then we also provide a lot of training on our own. On our website, what we do is we have a special page just for, for training. It's called the Academy for New York's Local Government Officials. And what we do is, depending on the type of role that you fill for your local government, we can identify all of the different types of training that will be helpful for you. Let me remind folks, if you're just tuning in or you're just turning on your radios, Frank McKay here with Gabe Dale. He is the Deputy Comptroller for Local Government and School Accountability. And he works very closely with uh, the controller, uh, Tom DiNapoli, who's uh, a Long Islander himself. And for those listening in the Long Island area, they, uh, you, you know how popular uh, Tom DiNapoli has been. And, and of course, uh, was got over 2 million votes, I think, the last time people asked how popular he was. And it was the highest vote getter, and that includes uh, Governor Cuomo and... Uh, and everyone else that was on the ticket that year. So a very popular man who does a uh, very difficult job and, uh, and and not an easy job to get a lot of attention in, but a job that uh, that people care about because it's our money and it's our it's taxpayers' money and it's uh, there's a lot going on there. Gabe Dale, once again here with me, Frank McKay, uh, is the deputy controller of the state of New York uh, for local government and school accountability. Let me let me go back to uh, the uh, you know something else that you uh, you had mentioned uh, school districts and when we talk about school districts, uh, everyone seems to point to that as and the school taxes as as being the reason why here on Long Island we have such uh, tremendous um, taxes, you know, local taxes, and it, it comes down to school districts. We don't have that in the other, you know, 61 counties, 62 cities, and and 932 towns. I mean, Suffolk County, and I should say Nassau County has tremendous school taxes as, uh, as well. But are we on the right track when, when we're thinking it's, uh, it's because of the uh, of and I'm not asking you to you know, make an opinion on privatization or anything but it, it is about school taxes that's why we're we're looking at it it's all about local school taxes am I right you are school taxes is you know at the heart of you know what folks all around the state are really concerned about all right way back as you had first mentioned Frank back in 2005 with the, the fraud tied to Long Island in Roslyn you know more than 11 million dollars misappropriated you know with Tom DiNapoli who had you know, sponsored the legislation that ultimately was able to provide additional auditors for us and the requirement initially that we audit every school district, BOCES, and charter school within five years, which we did. And you know, we finished that first one up in, in 2010. At the end of uh, March of 17, we finished our second cycle of school district audits. And I'd actually be really glad to talk about those if that's helpful for you. Yeah, no, it, I, I think it is. And I think it's it's of interest because, I, you know, again, right after wondering why we're paying such uh, such high taxes on school districts, I think the, the next question is, are we being robbed? You know, are we are we being cheated? And when they uh, when you start talking about the the salaries of some of these folks, I mean, you know, people start you know, smoke starts coming out of the ears. But where really really uh, explodes, what makes people explode, is when uh, when they find out that there's corruption. So if you could, yeah, be be more specific. We'd love to hear it. 
Sure. So, you know, when we go into a school and we audit a little over 100 school districts every year, all right, so what we try to do is we conduct a risk assessment. We try to see what areas, you know, have the potential to be problematic for school districts. So while we often conduct, you know, a lot of audits on their financial condition and their budgeting, you know, we're also looking for cost savings opportunities and, you know, how they can uh, increase the revenue, revenue enhancements, and also information technology, was, which is a really important topic today. So for the last, the, the second cycle of school audits, all right, there's, there was a few trends that we found that were a bit disconcerting, and I know a fair amount of them have been discussed heavily on Long Island, all right? So, so one of them is that uh, school districts, in the way that they have been budgeting, not, and not everyone, of course, have not always been completely upfront and transparent about the way the budgeting works. Some of it goes back to the, the problems that occurred during the state recession when they were, you know, losing money in state aid from the state. They were, you know, they were not getting the same amounts that they had before. So, so that caused them to shift a little bit of their budgeting practices so that they could be sure that they had enough money, you know, to provide education for the kids. But now that things are more stable, that may not be necessary. All right. So here's a couple of things that we found. All right. So, so one of the budgeting practices that we found that we thought was disconcerting has to do with what we call retaining excess reserve funds. So a reserve is kind of think about, you know, if, in you and your household, if you want to like save some money for a new roof or your driveway or something like that. So you're putting money away so that you ultimately can, can make those payments. Well, schools have reserve funds as well for capital, um, uh, a variety of different things. All right. Uh, workers' compensation, as an example of another one, their pension payments for things. And, and many of those, they have to have approval to, to do them. But what we've been finding is that a lot of schools have been kind of socking away money into those funds, all right, without necessarily the need for the amounts that they had. Okay. Um, what we found was about, uh, we did 818 audits. Actually, it was $818 million in excess reserve funds, okay? And we found that about a third of the schools that we audited, that that was an issue for them, all right? So that, that's kind of serious. So sometimes, as an example of what uh, this excess means is, I like the example of a workers' comp reserve fund, all right? So a typical school, maybe they're not spending too much in workers' comp. Maybe it's like 30000 40000 a year, and you might find that they have 900,000, a million, you know, 2 million in there. So when you have that, that's clearly a sign of an excess reserve or an overfunded reserve. All right. Mm -hmm. So that we feel is not being transparent to the voters, you know, when they go every year and they vote on a school's budget. Uh, Another, another issue related to it is, you know, at the end of the year, at the end of the month, when folks are balancing the checkbook, they have, you know, some money left over. Okay. Um, when you're doing school budgeting, at the end of the school year, we call that fund balance, all right? So by state law, schools are required to not have more than 4% of how much they're going to spend in the next year sitting in this un, uh, uh, unrestricted fund balance account, okay? Uh, so we go and we've been taking a look at that, and sometimes what we see is that schools have the ability to take some of that money and say they're going to use it in the next year's budget, all right? And the problem is that when they say they're going to do that, we found several, actually a couple of hundred, that have been doing a trend of this year after year and not actually using the money. 
So that ends up increasing this kind of stockpile of money. So that's been disconcerting as well. You know, when the controller, Controller DiNapoli, had taken a look at this, he had a, a we were concerned, frankly. Okay, so he had a program bill that was enacted. Uh, it became effective in 2017 because if someone's going to vote on their budget, all right, we feel that it's important for them to be able to have the information they need to make an informed decision. All right, and on the face of it, the way that it had been working, if schools had been appropriating or you know counting this fund balance to bring it down to the four percent level, and not using it. Taxpayers voting on a budget would have no way to find out. So the legislation that was enacted last year and became effective this year requires that what they have to do is post on their website uh, in, at the end of March, so before their budget vote, a schedule of all the reserve funds that they have, the name of the fund, and the balance at that time, and what they intend to do with it. They're also required to post any external audit reports, any corrective action plans, any of the state controllers audits, and then their final budget. And also, whether they're doing multi-year financial planning, which they've adopted by the board, we're really big and we think it's really important that everyone do multi-year you know, financial plan. That's, that's really the best way. So, so we know that this, this legislation is a good thing. We know that it's just a start to help to increase accountability and transparency in budgeting for schools. Yeah, I mean, that's terrific. I mean, that's uh, great work on your part and uh, uh, Controller DiNapoli. And we had uh, Joe Galante on, uh, you know, another one of the right-hand men of, uh, of, of Tom DiNapoli. And I, all of you guys, I mean, just, uh, you know, the three of you are just passionate about all of this. It's terrific. And if you're just joining us, once again, you're hearing the voice of of uh, uh, Dave Dayo, and he is the deputy controller for, and, and this is a mouthful, uh, Gabe, uh, the uh, local government and school accountability. I have that right? Is that your full title? You do have that right, right. And, and, and it is a mouthful, but, you know, we do a lot, and we try to get squeeze that all in there in our name. Well, look, you've been telling us quite a bit about what you do, and again, Frank McKay here with Gabe Dayo. Uh, let's find out a little something more about you and uh, where it all started for you. Where were you born and where were you raised? So, so thanks very much, Frank. I'm from Albany. Uh, grew up in Albany. Went to school. I didn't, you know, I didn't move very far. Uh, went to Siena College up here. And there's a, we actually, up in Albany, we have a fair amount of accountants and auditors that went to Siena and the State University of New York at Albany as well. So believe it or not, Frank, I started here. My entire career has been at OSC. So, uh, you know, started just auditing Medicaid program, was very fortunate to be able to have some opportunities to do some other work. Uh, a few years ago, I was able to work for the first deputy controller. He's, he's kind of the, the, the key support person for the controller and helping to run the agency. So I, I helped him. And then uh, five years ago, I had the opportunity to head this division, which I really love because I love the idea of, you know, we, we, we have two main customers, local government officials and taxpayers. Okay. And this job affords me the opportunity to speak with a lot of people. And uh, as you can tell, I'm, I'm kind of chatty. I enjoy doing that as well. That's great. Um, Listen, other, uh, go ahead. We, we'd rather we'd rather that than uh, than mums the word and and transparency. You mentioned the word, and it's always better than uh, than mums the word when it comes to government officials or or somebody just giving a, a quick catchphrase to kind of stop the bleeding type of thing. Now you uh, you're very open. Uh, Galante is very open. And obviously, Tom DiNapoli is the most open guy you could ever. I mean, everything is his life is an open open book. His career is an open book, and 
uh, and he's not afraid to get you know it, you know into it with the with the people and talk to the people. He's very accessible. When was the first time you met DiNapoli? I first met him in I think it was at the end of 2007, and uh, I was always really impressed with him because he he pays such great attention to detail. You know, um, he is the most I, I, he's the most prepared. Uh, official that I have ever met. And he's also, I'll tell you, the most concerned about everyone. And I'll give you, I think, a, a pretty cool example of this. So, you know, Tom travels the, the state, you know, far and wide constantly. And often on a Monday or a Tuesday, he'll give me a call and he'll tell me that he had met, you know, a constituent over the weekend. And they had a question about the local government or about the way that something works. And he'll give me their phone number. And he always says at the end of this, and this is something that I really love about him, is that, you know what, after you, after you speak with him, give me a call back and tell me how it goes. So he does not care, you know, what level somebody is. You know, it's just anyone on the street. He wants to make sure that everyone has access to us and services that we can provide and to help them out. Yeah, it's terrific. I mean, that's it's one of the uh, unique and special things about the Napoli. I'm, you know, for reasons of full disclosure, I, I'm with him 100. Uh, percent We've we've endorsed him, and I'm just saying for the listeners that uh, if I if I sound pro Napoli, I certainly am, and I think anybody who knows him or has seen him in action um, gets that, and they uh, they know that he's there. And I'll tell you what, uh, people from all sides of the aisles, you know, both sides. Democrats, Republicans, I mean, there's conservatives that love DiNapoli. I mean, he's, you know, obviously he's a Democrat, but uh, he is uh, full-fledged all in on, on public service. And it's, uh, it, it's just the way to be. I wish, you know, you could bottle somehow or, or market uh, to, to other public officials uh, how to do it. And if you did, you just kind of point out uh, Tom DiNapoli, the state controller, and, and say, hey, you know, this is how you do it. Just follow everything that this guy does. Uh, Gabe Deo is our very special guest. We've got a couple of minutes more with the Deputy Controller for Local Government and School Accountability. And uh, he's one of our 52 players, Frank McKay, here with Gabe Dale. I, we we got a, we got a couple minutes left. When we spoke to Joe Galante, we, we gave out a, uh, a contact for unclaimed fun, funds, and you have no idea how many texts I got, how many emails and phone calls I got, you know, saying that, you know, people found... Of, uh, you know, money that they didn't have of their mother or their brother, and they kind of just went to the website and started, uh, you know, putting a bunch of people's name in that they knew, and they were calling people. Do you have that, uh, you know, where to go for unclaimed funds? Do you have it at, at your fingertips? Sure. Um, first of all, if you go to our website, osc.state.ny.us, that's the best place. And you can, there's the, it's quite prominently featured at the top our Office of Unclaimed Funds. And I believe, you know, I'm not the detailed person on this, that we have about $15 billion waiting for people. And I can tell you that, you know, Control of Napoli loves giving that money back to the rightful owners. Um, so you can search, you can search uh, on any of your names, you know, what, what, what Control of Napoli would often say, you know, when you can't sleep at night, you get up and you, you log onto your computer and what you do is you, you key in all your family members' names, you know, all of your friends, and see if there may be some money on there. Um, so it's a quick and easy search. And the way that the process works, they try to uh, often, oftentimes you can submit uh, a request for the funds online. If, for example, though, it might be for a deceased family member, they might require some additional documentation for you. So, so that's the, the best way to do that. And there's also, I know, 
at that link, there's a, I'm pretty sure there's a contact us spot that you can pretty uh, easily navigate. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I would need uh, more than my fingers and toes to count how many, uh, how many listeners got money back or, or said they knew somebody who got money back just from Galante's interview. I, I think it's pretty amazing. I got, well, I didn't claim it yet, but I got, uh, there was like $158 or something, some old account that I had with one of my sons in there. And, and one of my okay. sons got uh, money back from a canceled class in uh, Stony Brook University. It's just, uh, you know, incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. But uh, Gabe, Dale, I want to thank you for everything that you've been doing. Uh, keep up the great work. And, and Tom DiNapoli is a, a great boss to have, I'm sure. But he's, uh, he's a great controller for the state of New York to have. Thrilled to have him there. And Gabe Dale is the deputy controller for local government and school accountability. And you can't get more important than than that when it comes down to it. It's not the sexiest title, but it is a very, very important. Gabe, thank you very much. Hey, thank you very much for having me today, Frank. Gabe Dale, everyone. Deputy controller Gabe Dale. And again, he's the deputy controller for local government and school accountability. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on 52 Players.